0: Welcome to the fifth episode of Developer Diaries. Uh, This episode is all about the socially awkward developer. I hope you don't mind that I named it that. Uh, But I think it's a really important thing to talk about, um, especially because it's such a common problem that so many people face, especially in tech. Um, I'm sure in other industries as well, but I can only speak to people in tech that I know of. Um, This is really just about the journey of someone who found a way to accept it and grow with it um, and is now a prominent speaker in the developer community and doing a lot of things that might sound um like you've sort of just like overcome that entire experience Um, and so i think it's valuable for people who relate to it who have experienced it in the past and for people who are currently going through that problem right now so that they can find ways to overcome it as well. So yeah, Josh, I would like to start with just like a who is Josh statement. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, we met in Cascadia JS last year. That was the thing I awkwardly crashed your dinner table with someone else. Kelly from Sourcecraft. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Josh, I right now live in Philly, but I grew up in upstate New York, lived in Seattle for a little bit, then New York City for a little bit. I'm a full-time open source maintainer slash developer. So instead of working for a specific company, I don't and work on a variety of open source projects online, mostly around the TypeScript ecosystem.
0: I sort of like to describe you as this person that started off as a builder, turned into a creator, a designer, and then is now a developer. Um, and one of the like memories that you told me about last time in our pre-interview was how you sort of like struggled socially and you used to play with Legos as a way to sort of deal with that. So can you just tell us a little bit about your experience and how you first started realizing that this was an issue that you dealt with um, and how it impacted your journey into tech?
1: Sure. I know that sometimes my brother listens to these, he's five years older than me, and sometimes random people from my childhood listen, and I think this would be very amusing slash horrifying (laughs) for one of those folks to hear. Um, When I was a kid, I played with Legos a lot because I didn't really have a lot of friends. Once in a while, I would make a friend or have a small friend group, but I, until high school, was never really a core member of anything. Uh, so I just played with Legos in the basement cause that's what I wanted to do. Or I later on played with the computer. Like I played a lot of RuneScape, a lot of Halo. There's this stereotype that developers are people who hang out in their parents' basement and don't <laughs> talk. And you know what? I really resent that stereotype because I, well, for starters, that's not helpful. That's very harmful to people. Uh, a lot of us have friends in real life and also because that's not me, I think development necessitates working with other people. At least the vast majority of software developers, as they grow in their careers, learn the easy or the hard way that you need to be able to communicate effectively with others. You need to be able to give feedback, receive feedback, collaborate on shared features. You're not isolated in your development. So um, part of, for me, becoming a software developer was overcoming that kind of social awkwardness. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know what to do in a situation. I'm going to avoid it. And and learn to make friends and, and have real good bonds with teammates.
0: Yeah. And it's it's tough for everyone, right? I think that it's something that is sort of like a spectrum where everyone sort of feels it in different situations. And some people can feel it really badly. And it can really affect the way that you look at yourself or think about yourself. And it can sort of be a blocker in you reaching the opportunities that are available to you. um, Versus for some people, they find it really easy to get over it. So it's really just about finding where you are on that spectrum, and then the right ways to deal with those situations. Um, What was the process of you sort of like, I like to call it a metamorphosis, but like going (laughs) from being someone who dealt with this to now someone who's speaking at conferences, um, like, was it college when you started deciding that, or not necessarily might might not have been a decision, but just started becoming more comfortable with yourself and becoming more social with other people?
1: Yeah, I think making friends in high school was nice. I was still a weird kid. A lot of random outposts of enthusiasm over random stuff that was weird. Um, my core friend group that I have now, I started to make in college. I remember freshman year, there was this group of us who always hung out in the rec room or living room of the little dorm we were in. I'm actually married to one of those people now, so that's nice. Uh, <laughs> great way to make friends, marriage. Yeah. Um, I've always enjoyed the, the conference speaking or meetup speaking side of software development. I think it's because I find it useful Uh, Also, there's probably a part of me that's real triumphant. I've overcome the inability to speak in front of others. I don't really have a lot of social anxiety around specifically speaking, um, which I find to be weird and maybe the opposite of what some folks have, where I'm awkward in conversation by default, but totally don't mind going up on stage and screaming about something for an hour.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, that's something that I deal with a lot where I struggle to find topics to talk about because I'm like, oh, my God, no one's going to want to listen to what I have to say. People are going to think I'm stupid. And that's like when I'm actually on stage becomes even worse. It becomes like the stage fright type of situation. So I assume that that's something that you felt as well. But you're saying it's not. You don't feel that at all when you're on stage. It's more about those like more
1: intimate situations. Correct. The way I think I've interpreted it, and at least the way I explain it to folks, is it's kind of like a game or a set of games. And like any game, there are a set of rules that you may or may not understand. And once you understand the rules and second to that, understand how to work effectively with them, it's a lot less scary and intimidating. So yeah. just talking to people about a topic is a lot simpler of a game for me, at least, than making conversation with folks. And it's something that I got acceptable at, I think, a lot sooner.
0: You got really good at it. And I'm really glad that you approached me at CascadiaJS because I... I'm always going to these conferences and I'm like, I wanna talk to people. Sometimes I approach them and then I just like back off really quickly. Um, So it's really nice to have someone that just like approaches first and, you know, says that hello, says that, hey, can I, do you guys wanna get dinner together? You know, like we're all here after a long day at the bus ride um, and just everyone wants to eat and talk and meet new people. um, And you're sort of like being that person that makes the first move, which is really helpful. how what has your process in like or your experience in maintaining long-term friendships been like do you think that's been impacted by this
1: yeah i'm terrible at maintaining long-term friendships and i hope that all of my long-term friends are listening to this and understanding that my not texting you for 2 to 4 months is not you it's me <laughs> i i just there's this weird little psychological block in my mind where it takes energy for me to do anything that's social, electronically, I don't like it. If I'm living with or near someone, I'm so much better at hanging out with them. Although I will say I, I think I had this problem when I lived near people, I just didn't want to do stuff. So maybe now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe is the problem is I just, I don't like doing things. I want to just do whatever is convenient in front of me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have a few long term friendships that I'm somewhat okay at staying in touch with them on. But it's hard. I don't uh, I wish it was easier.
0: Yeah. And when we were talking in our pre interview, you mentioned that you worked at a company called Sway. And that was probably the first time that you um like first company from which you've maintained long term friendships. Um, and that was I think the fourth job experience that you had. Something like that. Sorry.
1: I should know. It was the Sway team inside Microsoft Office, inside Microsoft. Oh, okay.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really important because I, especially these days, I think people f- make it a point to sort of try to be friends with coworkers and try to force relationships because it's, like, important to have a lot of friends um, and there's a lot of pressure to do that, whereas it's okay to just be coworkers with coworkers, right? Like, you don't have to build friendships unless there's something that sort of connects you and makes you feel that there's a reason for you to want to be- get close to someone, Um Did you feel like there was a reason why you connected with those teammates more than the people that you had worked with in the past?
1: Yeah, there, there are definitely people who I keep in touch with from every stage of my life, except I think elementary school and earlier that I don't know that there's anyone, but that was a while back. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A different man back, back in, um, yeah, no, I actually just started talking on LinkedIn with someone uh, from my Microsoft team prior to that. But Sway was this awesome combination of a lot of us had similar vibes. Uh, I don't want to say similar age because there are people I'm still in touch with who are not around my age, but similar vibes. Uh, we all cared about the product and a lot of the same social issues or area social issues. And we got along really well. So that was nice. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people either strongly want or strongly don't want to make friendships with their coworkers, or at least profess that as a good methodology to go for. And I don't like either end of that spectrum. I think it's a good idea and useful to be on good terms, even friendly with coworkers. But if you're not looking for friends, or if these aren't the people you want to be friends with, it's fine to leave it there. Like there's no need to say I'm never going to make friends with coworkers." That's bad work life balance or integration. Like, no, you can you can make friends at work. That's fine.
0: Yeah. And yeah, making friends with coworkers is also sort of helps you work with them better sometimes as well. Um, it helps you feel closer and it creates an environment where you can share things that you might not necessarily feel comfortable sharing with everyone else on the team. Just like solve problems together, which is nice. Um, but yeah, there's no pressure to do something like that. If it's if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And that's okay. Um, and... In terms of, like, you mentioned that you had a lot of... There was, like, compatibility between your teammates at Sway that sort of made it easier to maintain that relationship. What do you mean by that?
1: I don't know. I'm I'm very socially nervous. Even though I may not be anxious in situations, I always overanalyze and worry and wonder. So yeah. I still don't know and don't think I will ever know the nature of my relationship with these people. My assumption yeah. is everyone else is friends, you know, and I'm just an outskirt. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There I feel were... like
0: that's you overthinking now.
1: <laughs> we will you can we'll say that know. I appreciate yeah. the sentiment. Yeah, we'll never know. Um I don't know. It was just they're really lovely people. I mean we yeah. we do this is one of the few group chats I'm active in. The one of the old sway groups, or I, I'm gonna message this to them after they're gonna love this. I don't <laughs> know. It's just nice people. We got along well, we hung out in and out of work. It was yeah. fun.
0: Awesome. Um, and then For the people out there that are struggling with similar issues where they feel like they're awkward or they have a lot of anxiety in social situations, do you have any advice or anything that you've learned in the process that you want to share with them?
1: Yeah, I have a few things that come to mind. And I'm going to try to do one of them in order or each of them in order and pause. But, you know, yell at me if I just start rambling, please. For starters, um, it's okay. It'll take time to get better don't don't assume that just because you're not great at something now that you'll you'll never be. That's what I assumed. I was wrong. So, you know, if you're whatever, 21, 43, whatever your age is and you feel like you're still awkward and you don't know how to talk to people, it's, a, it's all right. Just chill there, observe, try to learn as much as you can, even read books and hopefully it'll get better over time. Thoughts? Yeah.
0: I fully agree. I think sometimes advice like that, though, can be hard to actually implement, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're in a specific situation. Um, And I struggle with that as well, because I find myself giving advice that I don't know if I would take, right? When in those situations, (laughs) I'm like, that sounds really great, but it's hard to implement. Um, And maybe it is one of those things that everyone sort of just has to figure it out on their own. And there is no maybe actionable thing that you can do to solve that situation. It's about finding comfort in yourself um, and just reminding yourself that a lot of the things that you're anxious about are just kind of in your head and everyone around you is also feeling that same way.
1: Yes. That being yeah. said, I do have actionable suggestions. I just, okay. a, yes. the, you know, the baseline, because uh, you're right. Yeah. A lot of it is, you know, internal to you. Yeah. Um, the first thing that, uh, I want to recommend is a book. This is a slightly mm-hmm. controversial book. There are parts of it some people disagree with. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale mm-hmm. Carnegie. Specifically the updated for the 21st century version as we do not need a discussion of marriage roles, which was in the original written a very long time ago, which explains nice. that. Have you read this? Have I have not,
0: but I want to read the original version now. Talk about it. Please tell me more.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It is... Uh, largely often called the first self-help book, even though I think it describes itself in a different phrase I always forget. But it's about how to win friends and influence people. The title is off-putting. The fact that it's written 100 years ago from, let's be honest, a white dude, like that—that that is itself off-putting to some people for, for good reasons. But the actual content of the book in isolation is excellent. It's helped me, it's helped a lot of people, both with and without things like social anxiety, Asperger's, and so on it gives a lot of really good actionable and generally applicable tips for conversing and for making friendships and connections. Things like people love to hear their own name. If you're ever unsure of what to talk about, ask a question. Find commonalities with people. The, the, re- the reason why you and I are now talking is in part because you wanted dinner, I wanted dinner, there was a spot <laughs> at your table that we had like two things in common there on top of both being tech, potentially even devrel area people. Yeah. So yeah, highly recommend the book with the caveat that you should read it and think critically and deeply on the points it makes and whether they apply to you. I say this because there's a lot of advice in the book about smiling, because that's great advice, unless you're someone who has been constantly told to smile their entire life because of your gender, and you probably don't want to be told that anymore.
0: Things like that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, take it with a grain of salt. I think any type of advice like that um, is supposed to be like, none of these things are blanket statements, right? Like they're more about apply it to the specific situation. Be smart about these things. Um, But Yeah, I think that's that's a great actionable way of just like, let's start by reading a book. Let's see what other people's experiences are like. you mentioned saying people's name a lot. So I'm just gonna say Josh, every single time I say something So Josh. <laughs> Thanks, <Ray. laughs> is there I anything else? Yeah. Hey Josh, is there anything else you wanna share, Josh?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't be creepy. That's, that's another good piece of advice. I don't remember whether the book says that. But, uh, yeah. I think there was an episode of it's always sunny about not saying people's names constantly. Yeah, um, yeah uh, find people who match the things you want to find in people. Like, it's very tempting to say that I want to be friends with X group of people, therefore I will work my hardest towards them. Let's say it's a coworker or your neighbors or whatnot, but not everyone is going to be a match. And it's very okay to have a friendship or connection not work out. You say hi, they never respond back. You try to start a conversation, it never goes anywhere. Okay. Especially in folks with ADHD, I recently learned of rejection sensitivity, where your mind just really ups that I hate this reaction to being rejected, and that can make this feel worse. So yeah. that's also quite literally in your mind and body. But something that you should notice, it's okay, this, this will happen.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I really struggled with re- rejection as well, especially when you're already maybe like slightly close to someone or getting close to someone and then something happens in their life or they say something or do something that sort of like pushes you away. Um, Or like long-term relationships where you're friends with someone for a long time and all of a sudden you're like, they're not prioritizing me, they don't care about me anymore, and dealing with those situations can be hard. Um, And I don't know where I saw this or read this or heard about this, but it was – About how, like, people have a lot of shit going on. Everyone has a lot of shit going on in their (laughs) lives. And just because they're giving you that distance or they're putting you further away or maybe they're not responding as closely as they used to, it's not a reflection on who you are or what they think about you, but more about just that they don't have the mental capacity for it right now, right? That doesn't mean that that friendship is destroyed Forever, right if you're trying to be friends with someone you think they're really cool and they're like just not taking you in maybe it's just not the right time yeah. um and it's not it does not mean you're not cool or that you're not an awesome person it just means that they got a lot going on and it's okay yeah. to just give it some space
1: 100% absolutely yeah. agree
0: um and is there anything else that you feel like is important to share around this topic
1: yes one one more thing. This is the least important of them all. I just think it's funny. Um, yeah. Orson Welles is uh, widely regarded as one of the funny figures in American history. He was a cinematographer, very, very good. Used to trash talk everyone and everything around him. He hated, or at least once said he hated, Woody... Uh, well, what was his name? Woody Allen. There we go. Woody <laughs> Allen. And the general persona of people like Woody Allen because... Woody Allen would would say he's nervous, he, he's scared, he has anxiety, um, whatever it is. And Orson did not like that because, and I'm directly reading the quote, like all people with Tim temp- personalities, his arrogance is unlimited. Anyone who speaks quietly and shrivels up in company is unbelievably arrogant. That's a false statement. Please don't hear that directly. But the idea is, well, if you're hyper-focusing on how everyone else focuses on you, or, or at least interprets you, that is a, a form of you looking at yourself. And it's not healthy to be constantly doing that. You can't always exist trying to hyper-analyze, really understand everyone's relationship to you. They're not existing in terms of you. They're existing in terms of them. So if you're constantly going around worried about how people are and analyzing you and interpreting you, you're probably overthinking it and thinking about yourself too much, which despite what Orson Welles says is totally natural and fine and just something to work on
0: yeah it's hard it is totally natural and fine and i think that a lot of people struggle with it but it's it's hard to get over that yeah Yeah. i'm glad that you mentioned it i think it like even just talking about it and having these conversations and normalizing it can help um thank you so much that is the end of the first episode of the developer diaries or not the first episode that's the fifth episode of developer diaries thank you so much for (laughs) joining